morning. Uh, this morning I actually get to introduce uh, our new message series that we've been working on and Andy John Allen and I will be preaching out of the book of Jonah. And so if you got your Bible there with you or a, a Uvirgin app or something online, just go on and open up to the book of Jonah. That's where we'll be here shortly. Uh, now we're not necessarily moving like verse by verse uh, through this study, but um, we will be we're, our focus is going to be um, not so much on the story, but on uh, the attributes of God that are found in this passage. And so oftentimes when Jonah is preached, it's very man-focused, right? And so the, the attention is all on the details of Jonah's perspective. But our goal is for us to focus on the book of Jonah and what it teaches us about who God is, right? how it affects our worship, how it affects how we view God. And so uh, we're going to be preaching on the persistence of God's call, the passion of God's care, and the power of God's control. And so uh, you don't want to miss any of these. Each of the messages will be so good. I'm excited about them. Um, it's going to help paint a better picture, a more full picture of the God that we serve. All right. Uh, so before we dive into the message today, the persistence of God's call, I want to help you understand what's going on in the book. Some of you are probably very familiar with Jonah. Others of you may not be familiar at all. Um, so I want to. I really want to kind of help you see what's going on, the whole story arc, um, because it's very different from the other prophetic books. When you look at books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and other books, what you see in those prophetic books is like a list of sermons. You know, it's a compilation of sermons that these guys have preached. Jonah's very different. Jonah tells a story. In fact, the only sermon that's preached is like seven minutes or seven words long. Okay, so um, what we get is this story that's going on, and so we we can't miss that. Uh, so I'm going to give you a bird's eye view of the story of Jonah, and then we're going to come back and zoom in on a particular part. Imagine this uh, from the blimp looking down at the football field right now. That's what I'm going to give you, and then we're going to zoom down on the field and talk about it. Uh, so God calls this prophet named Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is the capital city of Assyria. It's a big deal. It's a big city. And he wants him to let them know that they are evil and that they need to turn to the one true God. All right. Um, God uses uh, some, he, he speaks to Jonah and tells him to go to this, but Jonah disobeys. Jonah is, uh, he, he actually heads in the opposite direction. So God uses some creative ways to change Jonah's mind. We're going to talk about those today. Uh, but Jonah finally obeys God after some uh, coercing, and he goes to the city and tells them to stop sinning in that seven word sermon I was telling you about, and they actually do. They repent. The whole city turns to God. Can you imagine? Um, Jonah must have been pumped, right? Uh, He's not. Instead of being happy for them, Jonah is mad that God would show mercy to such an evil city. The book ends with God having this interaction with Jonah where he's he's asking him difficult, really deep uh, spiritual questions, and then it just ends. Uh, literally the last thing is God asking Jonah uh, a deep question and, and, and the answer that Jonah would give would help us see whether Jonah has learned anything, whether he's grown through this process. And then there's just a period and it's the next, next book. Um, and so it's, it's, it's such an interesting read. I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy the next three weeks as we preach through this. It's going to be fun together. But now that's kind of, that, again, that's the whole story. So I want to read just the first three verses. We're actually going to cover you know, the first, whole first two chapters, but I want to start off by reading the first three verses. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come back and kind of look at this um, uh, kind of point by point, okay? So read along with me, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Let's pray together. God, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we know that it is 100% absolutely true in every every word. And Father, we also know that uh, you have given it to us so that we might be changed. And so, Father, today, um, help change us, form us more into the image of Christ because of the message that you've laid on my heart to declare from your word today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know some of our type A folks at East love a good outline, okay? And so today the points might be a little bit confusing. I literally have two different outlines going, but I promise you, you can hang in there. So I'm going to give you point A, 1A, 2A, 1B, 2B, and then 3A and 3B. I don't know if that made sense looking at it, but when we get there, you'll get it, all right? So here's the first thing that we see in this passage, is that God called Jonah to a clear task. All right. What do we see at the very beginning? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's a great way to start. And just a side note here, anytime you see the word Lord in all caps, uh, just a little Bible study 101. We've got a great Wednesday night study starting this week. We're calling Bible 100 because none of the three of us as teaching pastors are smart enough to teach college-level stuff. So uh, this is basic Bible study stuff. Join in this coming Wednesday night as Alan begins to dive in. How do we begin the process of studying the Bible? But this is a good little Bible study nugget here for you. When you see the word LORD in all caps in your Bible like that, like it is in this passage, take note of that because that's actually the Hebrew word Yahweh in the Old Testament. And it's a very intentional and personal name for God. And we, need to, we didn't know that. So the word of Yahweh came to Jonah. And what was that word? Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it. Just a three-part. Like God couldn't have been more clear. Right? Jonah could say, well, where do you want me to go, God? No, nah, I've got that covered. Uh, what, do you want me to, what do you want me to do? Preach against it. Right? And he even starts with get up. That's, that's basic level. That's my mom getting me ready, like telling me to get out of bed and get ready for school. Like you actually, he actually told him to get up right now. He even threw that in there. And so that's a pretty clear word. We might expect such a great prophet like Jonah to obey such a clear task, but he doesn't. Well, he obeys the first part. It was just interesting as you're studying the Bible. He does get up. Like the very next verse, um, there it says, uh, and Jonah got up. But then from there on, it's all disobedience, right? Instead of going to Nineveh, he flees to Tarshish. Now, you probably don't know ancient geography. Uh, a lot of pastors will talk about that, how, how he was literally heading in the opposite direction. Um, but... To do that misses the whole point, right? Where God hasn't laid out for us geographically that Jonah was being disobedient. He's laid out for us spiritually that Jonah was being disobedient. Because notice the next four words that are most scary words in this thing. He fled to Jonah from the Lord's presence. He, led, he, he fled to uh, Tarshish from the Lord's presence. What we realize is that Jonah wasn't fleeing to Tarshish. He was fleeing from the Lord's presence. There was nothing in Tarshish. He wasn't going to see the lights. He wasn't thinking vacation time. He was fleeing from the Lord's presence. 
So the second thing I want you to take note of, 2A here, Jonah chose disobedience over God's presence. Because we are all human beings, just like Jonah, it's so easy for us to say, man, it's not that big a deal, right? Tarshish is the, is the capital city of Assyria, and we know that they're evil people. Man, that's a big task for God to ask. Is it really that big, big of a deal that Jonah didn't obey it? I mean, David, we've already seen David sin. David was the king, and I mean, he stole a dude's wife. She gets pregnant, then he killed her husband. Like David's sins are so much worse than what Jonah's got going on, right? But in the book of Jonah, I don't believe God is giving us this clear picture of, of Jonah's sin and disobedience. I believe he's given us a clear picture of how all our sin and disobedience works. In the book of Jonah, for Jonah to choose to disobey God in such a clear task, he is fleeing from God's presence. And before we get into the crazy stuff that happens and how God begins to work uh, in this situation, I want to settle in and talk together for a second, okay? Um, I want to ask you a question. I know the question that's on your heart. This was on my heart as I was studying. How could Jonah be so blatantly disobedient to such a clear task? That's a great question, but it's not the most pressing one. The most important question for those of us who are Christians today is why do we so often blatantly disobey such a clear task? You see, not only did God call Jonah to a clear task, 1B, you ready? God called us to a clear task too. Our clear task comes from the mouth of Jesus himself, recorded in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you've seen my power and the authority that I have here on earth. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me raise the dead. You've even seen me die, be buried, and raise again. I can get stuff done here on earth. Trust me. And he's saying, trust my power and just be obedient with the task that I've given you, which is simple. Make disciples. I'll work out the details because I can handle it. That's the task that Jesus gave to his disciples in church and those that are listening. It's the task that he has given those of us who have trusted in the name of Jesus. And yet you and I are still... I said, you and I, I'm throwing myself in there. We're still, we still choose all too often to be disobedient to God's words, to this simple task. And just like Jonah, we've heard the call of God on our lives. We know what he wants us to do. But instead of doing that one thing, we go another way. And I know, again, what some of you are thinking. Hey, I don't run from God. Right? I may not be disobedient. I may not be obedient to everything God tells me to do, but I'm, I don't run from Him, right? And I'm so glad you thought that because I thought the same thing. But it's a dumb thought, okay? It's 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 not the truth. I'll, I'll tell you an example. I've got two children. My firstborn is Elsie Joe, my little girl, and she's six. Uh, my son came after. He's four now. Daniel. All right. Um, when my daughter was young, I thought she was. 
uh, we thought she was strong-willed. Okay, your parents, that's parent code for uh, my kids can be a real jerk sometimes, especially when we're in public, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then we had Daniel. Um, This kid is the most stubborn, bullheaded kid I've ever been around. And he's very strong-willed, if you catch my drift. Um, But I also know that God's given him a certain personality that's we're praying is, is going to make him an incredible leader one day. Um, and that's what, we're, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're working on as we try to figure out how to deal with the kid who's, who's so, so strong-willed. So pray for us um, as we do that. But when Daniel's in his room playing, all right, I tell him it's time to get in the bathtub. And I usually, sometimes I, he actually comes, but usually I get one of two responses. The first, he runs down the hallway into the living room and hides, okay? He hides from me. The second, he just sits there in his floor and plays with his Mario toys and ignores me. Now, as a parent, guess what? I don't like either one, okay? Because in both situations, my son is being disobedient to what I've called him to do. Just because he didn't run into the living room away from me doesn't mean that he isn't being disobedient and that it doesn't frustrate me. He's still being disobedient. Listen, church, God is a father too. And when he has so clearly stated for us what we are supposed to do, and we rebelliously choose not to follow him and to do what he said, it doesn't matter what your response looks like. It is sin, and it is a move on your part away from the presence of God. I've, I've talked to a lot of people and seen a lot of people that run from God. Like God's, They know what God's calling them to do, and they run from it by sin and partying and, and just, uh, uh, just total what you think of rebellious nature, man, relationships and, and alcohol and drugs and all those things. And that's not good. Okay, hear me say that. But I know a whole bunch of other Christians who keep showing up for church, and they keep praying with their kids at night. And all the while, they're being disobedient to what they know God has called them to do. And both of those situations are bad. Neither one of them is good. Both of them are equally bad because they're both wrong and sinful. And they make a statement about our desire for God's presence. You see, to be, we choose disobedience over God's presence too. We all do that. We are Jonah. I hope that's landing with you today, as it has with me as I've been studying. But here's the good news. We're not ending there, okay? The book of Jonah doesn't end at verse 3 of chapter 1. That would be a sad story, wouldn't it? Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to them so that they may turn and experience my presence and power. Uh, Jonah says, nah, God, not today. And God says, okay, cool, man, sorry to bother you. That would be the shortest and the weirdest book in the Bible. It doesn't end there. As I've already told you, Jonah does end up going to Nineveh. And they do repent as a result of Jonah's preaching. But how did he get there? The story right now seems to be that he's heading in the other direction. The reason he winds up in Nineveh is simple. Listen, God persistently pursues Jonah. If you're taking notes, that's 3A. All right, hang in there with me. That's it. 
Jonah has already said no to God's plan and is fleeing from him to Tarshish, fleeing from his presence. He boards a boat full of polytheistic sailors who don't know the one true God. And instead of being a light in a dark place there and telling them how awesome his God is, he actually lets them know, hey man, I need a ride because I'm running from Yahweh because he's wanting me to do crazy stuff. They don't teach you that in any evangelism class. Don't start with your problems with your God, okay? But on the way to Tarshish, this terrible storm blows up. And as these unbelieving sailors are struggling to keep the boat afloat, Jonah's not there right beside them, asking them to trust in God and proclaiming to them the good news of his God. He's asleep below deck. And as the storm gets worse, the captain, uh, him him and the whole crew, are crying out to every God they can think of, trying to find one that will save them. And he actually goes down below the deck and wakes Jonah up. This is verse 6 of chapter 1. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. They're calling out to every God imaginable. And then in verse 9, after this interaction, uh, Jonah, he blows their mind. He says in verse 9, He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. That's when they lose their minds. (laughs) Because they know that Jonah's running from his God. And how does he describe his God? The one who made the sea. And it's at this moment that they realize, this is all your fault. Like You are running from the God who made the sea. You're the reason we're in this mess. Call out to your God. They say to him in verse 11, What should we do so that the sea will calm down for us? Because it was getting worse and worse. He answered, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. That's 11 through 13. Now, these are some men of integrity. Jonah says, throw me overboard. They don't. They actually try to get back to land. It's the pagan sailors that are actually showing integrity and not Jonah here. The storm keeps getting worse and worse. And they finally agree to throw him overboard that they believe will inevitably lead to his death. The storm is so bad, there's no way he could survive in the water. And verse 17 tells us what happens next. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God rescues Jonah from the waters with a huge fish. Now, we often think of the fish as a punishment for Jonah's disobedience. The fish was actually his rescue. God was going to give him a second chance. While in the fish, he's miraculously living in the acids of the fish's innards. And in there, Jonah repents. And then the fish spits the undigested Jonah three days later onto dry land. He's saved. That's chapter 2. And we get to chapter 3, and then there's some words that sound very familiar if you've been reading through Jonah. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What does he say? Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. And it leaves, right now we're thinking, okay, will Jonah follow God's command, right? Will he be obedient to God? Verse 3, Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. 
Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah did just what he did before. He got up, but this time he went to Nineveh. The great prophet was finally obedient to God's call. But again, I don't want to focus on Jonah here because the, jo- the decision that Jonah had made for himself was to flee from God's presence. It was to be disobedient. But God stayed after Jonah. He had a plan that involved Jonah, and he pushed for Jonah's obedience. God persistently pursued this rebellious prophet. God didn't just let Jonah say no and walk away. He went after him. Church, this is the great news of the book of Jonah. God was persistent in his calling. I'm so glad that God didn't leave Jonah alone. Yes, for Jonah's sake, but for my sake. Because if God stayed after a disobedient doofus like Jonah, I can no doubt trust that He's going to stay after me when I'm disobedient. I believe He'll pursue me. 3B, God persistently pursues us too. I believe that's the beauty of what's going on in Ephesians chapter 2 where it talks about us being dead in sin, unable to save ourselves, and God comes and saves us. Verse 10, as he continues through, Paul says, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see, God has called us to take part in his mission in the world. We all play a part, but we have to be obedient to the call that He has placed on us. And when we aren't, He often gives us opportunities to, re- to repent and to get back on track. He puts people in our lives to encourage us and challenge us or equip us for the task. Listen, folks, I don't know the names nor the situations of every person who may watch this message either today or in the future. But if this day you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're being disobedient to the call of God to make disciples in your life, just like Jonah was, admit it before God right now. Maybe you're running from it, or maybe you're just ignoring it. Either way, own up, man up. Just as God gave Jonah a second chance through a big mouth fish, God's given you a second chance through a big mouth preacher today to hear the message, turn and be obedient. Stop fighting against God and His plan. Give in and follow Him to do all that He has planned for you. The next step for you may be to contact that friend, neighbor, or coworker. And have a conversation about how Jesus has changed your life and how He can change theirs too. Maybe it's to to take some younger believers under your wing and and, uh, encourage them and and study the Bible together and, and hold them accountable and just have conversations about real life through Zoom or email or text message. I promise you, the, the, the campus pastors of all three of our campuses would love to talk with you about how you can do those things. Like we, that's what we're here for, is to encourage you and, and help you understand how to make disciples. Another step may be to join one of our three campuses as a, as a covenant member. Man, we've, uh, that's a big deal. That's a big decision, but we want to walk you through that. We want to help you, whatever, what, if, you're, if you're willing to do that. Some of you, 
you may not be running from something that God's called you to, uh, sharing your faith or something like that. You just may be running from God, ignoring his call for salvation. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. Just as God pursued Jonah, God pursued us. We were dead in sin, unable to help ourselves, unable to do anything to get back in a right relationship with God. And he could have left us to drown in the ocean of our own sin. But he didn't. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die, to live the life that you and I couldn't pull off and to die the death that we couldn't handle. And he did all of that so that we could come back into relationship with him. God has pursued you. This is your moment. This is the time for you to call on the Lord because he has sent me here. You may not think this is a a miracle that you're watching this today. I do. I believe God has sent has ordained this moment just as he ordained the fish to declare this message to do today. If you're not a Christian today, you can call on the name of the Lord to save you. As simply, there's no magic words. Just tell the Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't be with you. I know I'm separated from you. I can't get back. But I know that you sent Jesus to live the perfect life, die on the cross, and to be raised again to give me victory I'm trusting in that today. You call on the Lord in in whatever words you feel comfortable with in your own heart, and God will save you. We have that truth from God's word. Tell him what's on your heart the best way you know how. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and Pastor Allen's going to come up and just let you know about some ways that you can let us know what's going on in your heart and uh, any decisions that you've made, and then... um, and then also let you know about some content that's coming up this week. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if, if, uh, if you need to talk to the Lord, this is that moment. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And God, we're so thankful that you give us an opportunity uh, to hear your word. God, even when we can't leave our homes, um, God, you made a way. And God, I'm so thankful, God, that you did not leave Jonah um, as a disobedient sinner, God, but you pursued him. And God, you gave him a second chance to be obedient. God, I'm thankful for all the second chances you've given me. God, I thank you for the second chance of obedience that you've given to some today that are listening. God, I pray that in their hearts, God, they would not turn this, they wouldn't hit the X on their, on their browser until they have trusted in Jesus Christ or they've turned from their sin and turned to you, God. They've chosen to be obedient. They've made plans to, to make, begin to make disciples, God, whatever it looks like. God, I'm thankful for this avenue to speak with them and encourage them. Father, use us and change us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.